1: speaking warning all of you to brace yourselves for big news the biggest tell them robin holy superlatives, batman it's really exciting soon very soon batman and i will be
2: batapulting right out of your tv sets and onto your theater screens
1: that's right robin our first full-length motion picture feature in color opens a whole new world of thrills The big screen gives us more space on land, sea, and in the air to challenge the most cataclysmic collection of super criminals ever. Their minimum objective must be the entire world.
2: And here are the dastardly villains, the Catwoman.
3: Aww. You're going to see the perfect crime when I get Batman in my claws.
2: The Joker.
3: Have you heard this one? It'll kill you, Batman. <laughs> the Penguin. There are two eggs this wily bird is going to scramble Batman and Robin. <laughs> the Riddler. Question. Who's going to make the feathers fly and knock Batman and Robin out of the sky?
1: See, the new weapons in the Bat Arsenal combat the forces of evil. The Batcopter. The exploding, man-eating shark. Holy sardine! The relentless Megaton Magnet. The unholy Quartet's secret submarine.
2: Fire one! Fire Fire one!
1: The Batboat Boat, in action. The deadly disintegrator. The attack on the Bat Cave.
2: Holy hallucination!
1: You'll blast through the skies on these mad, manned missiles. And you'll be with me, Robin, at
2: the Bat Scanner,
1: eavesdropping
2: on Batman's romance. And you'll shudder at the
1: death-dealing Polaris missiles. Brace yourself, Robin. This could be the end. And that's just a sample of the exciting exploits ahead in our first feature motion picture.
2: Holy memoranda, folks. Make a note not
1: to miss it. Good thinking, Robin.
0: Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover Batman the Movie, from 1966. The studio was 20th Century Fox, and the release date was July 30th, 1966. The running time, 105 minutes, and it was in color. The budget, $1.5 million, and the box office took in approximately $4 million, which would be the equivalent of $34 million today. Now, considering how popular the TV show was, the film was only a modest success. However, it continued to play on television and eventually video rentals for years after. Rotten Tomatoes gives it 79% fresh from 33 reviews. Their consensus is Batman elevates camp to an art form and has a blast doing it. Every gloriously tongue-in-cheek inch of the way. Now, as a kid, there were two classic shows that constantly scoured the TV listings for. One were the reruns, of course, for the Adventures of Superman program starring George Reeves, which came from the 1950s. The other was the classic Batman program from 1966. Now, for years, Batman fans waited in agony while 20th Century Fox and Warner Brothers clashed about ownership rights over the show. But finally, in 2014, the entire series was released on DVD, and I spent my Christmas vacation that year watching all 126 episodes. For years, the only version of the classic Batman that was available on home video was the movie from 1966. It's just great, campy fun, and pretty much the same as the TV program. I suppose the best part of the movie is that you get all the villains together, which never happened on the single TV episodes. Alright, let's get into the main cast. Adam West. Course plays batman and bruce wayne and burt ward plays robin and dick grayson and their careers were made by the enormous success of the batman tv show it really was a phenomenon and while both west and ward would continue to work after the batman series it was often as cameos or nods to their batman characters burgess meredith plays the penguin Meredith was one of those rare actors to be known by three different generations of fans for different roles completely. So Meredith was a well-known actor on film and early television. He then struck gold by playing the penguin for kids in the 60s, who only knew him from Batman. And then later in the 1970s and 80s for playing Mickey in the Rocky film series. Cesar Romero plays the Joker. I briefly covered Romero's career in the original Ocean's 11 film from 1960. He was best known in his early career as the Latin lover in many films. He was so known for his mustache that he refused to shave it off when he played the Joker and simply put the white face paint over it, which is hilarious to watch. <laughs> Again, like Burgess Meredith, kids of the 60s will forever remember him for playing the Joker. Frank Gorshin plays the Riddler. Now, Gorshin, prior to the Batman series, was a popular comedian and an impressionist. And he often appeared on late-night talk shows. He was even nominated for an Emmy for his role as the Riddler on this show and continued to work steadily on TV and film until his death in 2005. Lee Merriweather plays the Catwoman in Miss Kitka, Now, I'll get more into the details about Catwoman in a bit, but as you may know, the original Catwoman was Julie Newmar, who played the role for the first two seasons of the TV show before Eartha Kitt took over the final season. Now, Newmar was unavailable for the movie, and Lee Merriweather was hired to play Catwoman. Merriweather was a Miss America winner before becoming an actress, and would go on to appear on two episodes of Batman, not as Catwoman, and later became a staple on Barnaby Jones and many other 70s TV shows. The director, Leslie Martinson. and Martinson was known more as a TV director and a producer more than a film director. The 1966 Batman movie was by far his most well-known film that he directed. He did have an impressive list of directing TV shows throughout his career, and they included Maverick with James Garner, Mission Impossible, The Brady Bunch, Mannix, Barnaby Jones, Chips, and the cult classic Small Wonder from the mid-1980s. All right, let's get into the making of the film. So while many people write off the 1960s Batman just as camp and fluff, it really did make the character as popular as ever at that time. The TV show really was a phenomena, even though it only lasted three seasons. And people might forget, Batman at this point had been around for almost 30 years since its beginning as a comic book. And through the evolution of the comic, you had everything from detective stories, almost film noir, to sci-fi, to campy, goofy fun like the TV show. The TV show is sort of a culmination of all the comic storylines over the years. So many people don't know that the film was actually supposed to come out before the TV show. However, ABC had a horrible lineup of shows at the time in 1966, and Batman was pushed out early, and it just really took off on television. Now, Part of the draw of the Batman series was that it was the first big-time comic book character since the George Reeves Adventures of Superman show in the 50s to have its own TV series. But when the Batman film did come out, it really helped to spread the word internationally for the TV series. Kids absolutely adored the show. And keep in mind, this is years before cable, so TV shows were limited, especially for kids. Batman was everything they wanted, plus you got two episodes a week due to the cliffhanger nature of the show. Because the TV show was so popular starting in 1966, the film producers knew they had an ongoing advertisement of the brand for the eventual film release in the summer of 66. However, to strike while the iron was hot, they really didn't rewrite the original film script and the only prerequisite to the plot was to make sure that she had all four of the major villains in the film. That was it. All the main villain actors were available to reprise her roles, Burgess Meredith, Cesar Romero, and Frank Gorshin, with the exception being, of course, of Julie Newmar, who played the Catwoman character on the TV show in the first season. Now, she doesn't appear in the film because she did not know about the film and had signed on to film the racy comedy Monsieur LeCocq in the United Kingdom. And by the time she was informed about the Batman movie, she couldn't get out of the other commitments in time to do the Batman movie. And that other film that she had signed on to do was subsequently abandoned and left unfinished. So that is why Lee Merriweather was brought in at the last minute to play Catwoman. Funny enough, I honestly like her the most of all the Catwomen, even though the film is the only time she played the character. Eartha Kitt would then, again, take over for Julie Newmar in the third season of the TV show. Meriwether was really nervous as she was coming into an established set, but said that Cesar Romero and Burgess Meredith were very supportive and took her under her, their wing and made her feel like that she had been part of the team from the beginning. And again, I just think she's terrific as Catwoman. Another thing to keep in mind regarding the film, for some viewers, it was the first time seeing Batman in color outside of the comic book. Even in 1966, not everyone had a color television set many still had black and white TV. So the draw of a 105-minute film with all of the villains and in color, that was a huge draw for many. In addition, the movie had many more gadgets in the film that they couldn't show on a smaller TV budget, like you get the Batboat and the Batcopter that are in the film. Okay, let's get into the film. So it begins with the following message, and it's under a police spotlight against a brick wall. We wish to express our gratitude to the enemies of crime and crusaders against crime throughout the world for their inspirational example. To them and to the lovers of adventure, lovers of pure escapism, lovers of unadulterated entertainment, lovers of the ridiculous and the bizarre, to the fun lovers everywhere, this picture is respectfully dedicated. We then see a couple making out before the final message of, if we overlooked any sizable group of lovers, we apologize. Postscript from the producers, ever so tongue-in-cheek, literally. We then get the iconic original Batman logo, and then an updated theme for the film, and we see the cast and characters. We then hear the familiar voice of the narrator, which is William Dozier, who is also the producer of the TV series and film, and he introduces the dynamic duo. In the next clip, you get a variety of bat gadgets and machinery from the Batmobile, the Batcopter, equipped with the Bat Ladder. <laughs> this, of course, leads to the most well-known and hilariously cheesy scene of the film, and that says a lot. And it's the shark, which, of course, is destroyed by the bat-shark repellent. Now keep in mind most of the next clip is a combo of score music and sound effects, but you can picture in your mind what's going on.
3: That drift angle, 03 to starboard.
1: Roger, correcting to port.
3: One seven, rate
1: .49. Drop bat ladder. Bat ladder away. automatic bat Watch out, Batman. This could be tricky. Have no fear of it. I'll keep all my wits about me. So long. For a minute. off on the power. Increase sink rate. Roger. Welcome.
0: So the shark exploded once it hit the water because it wasn't a real shark it was a mechanical version right off the bat no pun intended this movie is equal hilarious and thrilling batman didn't even have a run in his tights from the shark hanging on his leg batman and robin hold a press conference for a small group of reporters in commissioner gordon's office and there we meet a russian reporter with a very long name it's easier to just call her miss kitka as we eventually find out this of course is the Catwoman. Miss Kitka, acting like she isn't aware of American customs, casually asks for Batman and Robin to remove their masks for a picture. The duo calmly explain why that's not possible, and you already know why. So the press conference ends, and Batman explains the ship debacle, which was due to a Commodore Schmidlap having troubles with his yacht, which Batman believes was a trap to capture him and the Boy Wonder. Next, we get a list of the main villains that would likely try to kidnap Batman. Tell me,
1: Commissioner, what known super criminals are at large just now? I'll check it once, Batman. Uh, Bonnie, let's have the latest status report on known super criminals still at
3: large. Yes, sir. Thank you, Bonnie. Coming up, Batman, on the closed circuit TV screen. Come over here.
1: Status report Known super criminals not currently imprisoned. The Penguin.
3: That pompous, waddling, master of foul play, maestro of a million criminal umbrellas. The Joker. devilish clown prince of crime. Or if I only had a nickel for every time he's baffled us.
1: What the Riddler loose to? So it seems. Loose to plague us with his criminal conundrums. Gosh, and the Catwoman. End of status report. Could be any one of them, but which one? Which ones? <gasps> Pretty fishy what happened to me on that ladder. You mean by there's a fish there could be a penguin? But wait, it happened at sea. Sea? Sea for Catwoman. Yet, that exploding shark was pulling my leg. The Joker. It all adds up to a sinister riddle.
3: Riddle er. Riddler? Oh, thought strikes me so dreadful i scarcely dare give it utterance
1: the four of them their forces combine. holy nightmare batman could it be i don't know but i think i know where to find a clue come on robin to the bat cave we haven't one moment to lose <laughs>
0: As much as this was funny as a kid, it's actually even more funny now because everyone plays it straight, which is what makes this comedy really work. And Adam West in particular had a natural calm to his voice, but at the same time he could deliver his lines in such a campy way that everyone is in on the joke. He really was the perfect person to play this role. Very similar to Jack Webb when he played Joe Friday in Dragnet. And also what Adam West would do, he always let the villains have the laughs, which was really smart. He was like the straight man. And of course, Burt Ward was another great choice because he had the physical and acrobatic qualities needed to play Robin. And the other actors who auditioned for Robin, they just didn't have it. He had to do almost all of his own stunts as well. Plus, his lines were always great with the holy whatever pun you like. (laughs) So while Batman and Robin head out to investigate, we find Miss Kitka, which is Catwoman, at a seedy sailor bar on the pier meeting with all of the villains mentioned earlier. The Joker, the Penguin, and the Riddler.
3: How many times have
2: I told you never use my real name in public? <laughs>
4: you and
3: your trained, exploding shark, fuck!
2: Oh, crack! Uh, How should I know they'd have a can of shark-repellent spray handy? Why are you sniveling sardine? Are you pompous, puffed-up
3: penguin? Your friends make peace! Have a shake on me!
1: <laughs>
3: Ooh, a joke-a-day keeps the gloom away!
2: day. scratch out their eyes.
3: Take away that ravenous panther! <laughs> so help me, Catwoman, I'll feed him to the birds. I'll incapacitate the beast with my trick confetti! United Underworld. <laughs> We're about as united as the members of the United World Headquarters on Gotham East River. What's the matter with you all? She's right. He's right. If we don't manage to somehow swallow our super-criminal pride, I'm afraid we're right, going to. right. Mr. Be-
2: Riddler. All right, we must hang together.
3: Almost assuredly, we shall hang separately. Oh, and what a pity that would be on the eve of the greatest criminal coup anyone ever dreamed of. Ah, how did it go, Catwoman? Perfectly. Perfectly. In my disguise as Kitka, I penetrated their press conference. The fools are completely baffled. Yeah, but I'm drowned. Yes, unfortunately. Batman's boots didn't even look damp. Mm -hmm. How's our prisoner? Still doesn't know he's been kidnapped? He hasn't the foggiest. He just keeps ringing for his confounded tea.
0: One thing you may not notice, but there was a conscious decision by the cinematographers to film all the villains a bit askew. Because after all, the villains are crooked characters. It's subtle, but it's part of the genius of the show. Commodore Schmidlap, played by Reginald Denny, is blissfully unaware that he's been kidnapped by the United Underworld. Schmidlap has created an invention that is a dehydrator and in the wrong hands can turn people into dust in an instant. The dynamic duo discovered that the supposed yacht that was in danger was actually a video illusion meant to trap them. They figure out the coordinates with the bat computer where the illusion was shot, and they go to investigate in the bat boat. Hidden below the sea is a submarine where the villains are hiding out. Batman and Robin find the buoy that had the video projection in it. However, the buoy is magnetic, and the duo are stuck there due to their utility belts. They avoid being blown up by the torpedoes by using their trusty bat radars in order to jam the torpedo signals. And just so you know, it was a super energy polarizer to be precise. But then the batteries wear out and the polarizers. At this point, if it were a TV episode, this would be a cliffhanger and we'd find out the fate of our heroes in the next episode. However, in the movie, they escape because a porpoise got in the way and sacrificed itself for the good of humanity. (laughs) We then see a missile fired into the air and we get one of the Riddler's patented riddles. What does a turkey do when he flies upside down? What weighs six ounces, sits in a tree, and is very dangerous? It gobbles up! A sparrow with a machine gun! What type of creature would pounce on such a thing? A cat! (laughs) This is all hilariously surmised by Batman and Robin, Commissioner Gordon, and Chief O'Hara. And yes, the Catwoman is the leader of this whole charade. The objective of the villains is to take over the entire world by disintegrating the United Security Council which is the equivalent of the United Nations. The villains decide that another way to capture Batman is to kidnap millionaire Bruce Wayne. They don't actually know that Batman and Bruce Wayne are the same person, but that Batman will of course rescue the famous socialite. And to lure Bruce Wayne, the Catwoman masquerading as Miss Kitka will seduce him. Batman is aware of the potential plot and tells Robin and Alfred to follow their date in case the Joker, Penguin, and Riddler show up. Bruce doesn't yet realize that Miss Kitka is actually Catwoman, but that she's being used by the villains in his mind. It's hilarious as Robin feels awkward spying on their date, which begins at the Folded Arms restaurant. <laughs> also hilarious is that Alfred is wearing a similar mask as robin's.
3: Mmm, I close my eyes and I dream of those savage Cossacks racing over the steps on their brutal
1: mission. Mm. A stretch. I close my eyes and I dream of something quite astonishingly different. And all my days, our trances and all my nightly dreams are where thy dark eye glances and where thy footstep gleams.
4: Ochen Priatni, comrade Wayne.
1: Edgar Allan Poe, Eskidgar. To one in paradise. First stanza. About that dream you had. Do we dare? Why not? Of course, of course, why not? Of what use is a dream if not a blueprint for courageous action?
3: Oh, into action,
4: comrade.
1: Miss Kitka, I have the strangest feeling that I am about to be utterly and madly carried away. <laughs> aha, aha, this is a kidnapper! <laughs> Our jokes on you! You filthy criminals!
0: because Robin felt weird about watching Bruce make out with Miss Kitka Guy, he missed the villains kidnap Bruce. However, the joke is, of course, on the villains as they can't understand why Batman hasn't rushed in to save Bruce Wayne. So Adam West said he requested to do more scenes as Bruce Wayne because it was so uncomfortable always being in the Batman costume. So Bruce eventually breaks out of the lair because, you know, he's Batman after all, and he returns back to his mansion. Once back, Batman and Robin head back to the pier to try to capture the villains. However, the villains have now tested the dehydrating machine on their generic henchmen and turned them into dust, but they plan on using these henchmen soon. In the meantime, we get to see the dynamic duo do their patented walking up a building, and we get these words of advice about the dangers of alcohol.
1: Out Batarang and Batarang. Stand clear.
5: People in weird outfits, like the four super crooks hanging around here. It's amazing someone hasn't already reported this place to the police.
1: It's a low neighborhood, full of rum pots. They're used to curious sights, which they attribute to alcoholic delusions.
2: Gosh, drinking sure a filthy thing, isn't it? I'd rather be dead than unable to trust my own eyes.
0: (laughs) Damn rum pots. When Batman enters the villain's lair, he discovers a giant bomb with a fuse lit. Just think stereotypical round ball with a sparkling fuse. He then spends the next three minutes trying to figure out what to do with it in order to not harm a marching band, drunks, nuns, baby ducks, and basically anything you can imagine. It's a really a hilarious scene.
4: Miss
1: You just can't get rid of a bomb i was able to dispose of that bomb in the nick of time and shield myself behind these heavy iron pipes
3: you risked your life to save that riffraff in the bar
1: they may be drinkers robin but they're also human beings and may be salvaged i had to do it
0: (laughs) how could you sacrifice yourself for that riffraff (laughs) After disposing of the bomb, the penguin shows up, poorly disguised as Commodore Schmidlap. The penguin decides to purposely make his disguise terrible, knowing that it won't fool Batman and Robin because he wants to be taken to the Batcave under the guise of submitting to a retina scan. He figures if he infiltrates the Batcave, he can overthrow the dynamic duo. This is where the plan to rehydrate the generic henchmen comes into play, as the Penguin used a canister of dust to sneak in five henchmen to try to overpower Batman and Robin. However, the Penguin's plan quickly fails because as the moment the henchmen are touched, they disappear. According to Batman, the heavy water of the Batcave created an unforeseen reaction to the rehydration process. (laughs) Of course, right? Batman and Robin decide to take the Penguin back to town, acting like they still believe he's Schmidlap. The two take a pill to prevent them from being knocked out by the Penguin's knockout gas from his umbrella, and then they let him steal the Batmobile in order to track where he's headed to the gang's hideout. They follow using the Batmotorcycle to the airport where the Batcopter is stored. While in the Batcopter, the dynamic duo is almost hit by one of the Riddler's missiles. Fortunately, they end up crashing into a foam rubber wholesaler's convention. (laughs) We do get more Riddles, however. What goes up white and comes down yellow and white? An egg, Robin says immediately. How do you divide 17 apples among 16 people? Make applesauce, of course, says Robin. (laughs) From this, Batman surmises, it's a unification and container of hope. This means the United World organization to them, who just happens to be meeting that day. Hence the plan to dehydrate the members. Instead of driving, because Batman and Robin are in tip-top physical condition, they run through the streets to the UWO building. Unfortunately they don't get there in time.
3: No solamente Europa. man
1: Gentlemen, it is the considered opinion of her Majesty's government that we pursue peace at all costs. <laughs>
4: A
2: poor united world in microcosm.
3: <laughs> I'm afraid they'll find our humor very, very dry.
4: Gentlemen, my country
3: understands your position, but in the interest of peace, we must pursue this it. But We realize
2: that you want peace
4: as well. The The U.S.S.R. The U.S.S.R. The U.S.S.R. The U.S.S.R. The
1: U.S.S.R. The U.S.S.R. Gentlemen, it has always been our policy to maintain a...
3: one in a separate vial. And boys, don't anybody sneeze.
0: All the members have been turned into dust and placed into separate vials by the villains. So how will Batman and Robin save the day? Well, you'll just have to check out the film on your favorite bat device, my friends. Look, the movie and the show were meant to be campy, satirical fun, and it definitely is. In many ways, I actually enjoy this version of Batman more than the so-called serious interpretations. My only major critique for the film is that the Joker doesn't get as much screen time to show off as the other villains do, along with the lack of punch captions, you know, the bam and the pow and the zwap, and you really don't get those until the very end. However, the final fight scene of the film is very well done. Also, more Alfred would have been nice... Because you would get more from the great Alan Napier. Alright, some fun facts. A follow-up film was at one point considered. The film would have been released between seasons 2 and 3. And they would have used this to introduce Barbara Gordon, who is Batgirl, and make use of the Batplane. But due to the waning interest in the series during season 2, which resulted in many budget cuts, plans for a second film were scratched. Eventually, many years later, there were two animated quote-unquote sequels, which came out in 2016 and 2017, featuring the voices of both Adam West and Burt Ward. Both are very well done and in the spirit of the original series. Julie Newmar actually appears in the 2016 film Return of the Cape Crusaders. The last film, Batman vs. Two-Face, ended up being Adam West's final performance because he died before the film was released, but he had completed his voice parts before he died. William Shatner actually voices Two-Face. I own both, and they're both really fun. This movie was actually the last appearance for Frank Gorshin as the Riddler for well over a year. Gorshin actually sat out of the TV series during the show's entire second season, but then he returned to the role in the third season. All right, we have a special guest who is a big-time comic book fan, as you already know, and that's DJ Middle Mike Tyler who, of course, is a DJ for ThatMetalStation.com every Friday night starting at 8 p.m. Eastern time. So always check out his show. And let's hear his thoughts about the original Batman from 1966. And I'll be back next week to talk about yet another random movie from my DVD collection. Pow. Okay, we're back with DJ Metal Mike Tyler, who you can hear every Friday night on ThatMetalStation.com from 8 p.m. Eastern time till whenever he likes. And, of course, you'll also hear Bill Roseberry and all his sidekicks and all these fun things. (laughs) And on top of that, he's a huge, as you know, if you listen to Damn Good Movie Memories, he's a huge comic book guy. He's a huge superhero fan. And so this is kind of the beginning of where, uh, at least on television and somewhat movies, people are starting to get into superheroes. So welcome back, Mike. Thank you. Thank you,
5: Brian A. Davis. And uh, also, just to mention, uh, the generous host of this podcast also has an amazing show every Wednesday night. Bad beat, Brian A. Davis. See, that, uh, the coastal
0: ocean is that? always a good thing. 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to 1 a.m.? Exactly. After 10? after we talk to you about the promo. 10 to, <laughs> or,
5: wait, 10? No, wait, 9. What time is it your time?
0: It'd be 8, 8 p.m. my time. Yeah! Wow, you're like yeah,
5: because you're four time zones behind. 8 p.m. man, so yeah, yeah, you get to do your show and then just chill out for the rest of the night. Nice. Pretty much,
0: pretty much, yeah. All Stop right. working, go right into it. So speaking, of getting into it, was this was the Batman TV show? So in two. Uh, 1966. Uh, Was that your introduction to the Batman character, or was it the comics? It
5: was uh, definitely my introduction to Batman. Me and my, uh, to this day, he's one of my best friends, like a brother to me, uh, Brian Honaker, Big B, Mm -hmm. giving him a shout-out. We used to watch that show in syndication or religiously, and we didn't know it was in syndication. It was new to us, and uh, every, and you know, back in the day, they would air it twice a week. Two nights in a row because of the it would always have the cliffhanger and then you know you come back same bat time, <laughs> same bat channel. Well, obviously within syndication they showed Batman every day, so they always showed those. You know they may not have showed everything in chronological order, but they would always show the episodes, the one part one and part two. Right. So for me and Brian, it was like. It was exciting because we were like, well, how how are they going to get out of this? You know, like you know, and and it's funny now because looking back, I mean, it's obviously very campy and and was meant to be. It's really a satire of the comic books, but sure, five year old Mike didn't know that. Right. five year old Mike thought it was the shit, and I still do. Don't don't get me wrong, but it was like, wow, you know, this Batman. It was Batman. You know what I mean? So I didn't know any different until. Oh, a couple years later, once I started getting into comic books, because when I was a little guy, my favorite DC guy was Batman and my favorite Mm -hmm. Marvel guy was Spidey. And -hmm. once again, the the old 1960s cartoon, you know, Uh, but really my interestingly enough, my introduction to Spider-Man wasn't a comic book. It was my mom was buying me and my brother superhero shirts and and dave picked captain america we could get one marvel we get one dc well obviously my dc shirt was batman but when i looked at the marvel ones i didn't i wasn't that familiar but i just thought spidey looked cool yeah spider-man he's all these and in the back had all these different dramatic spidey poses and that's how i fell in love with that character honestly just by the the way he looked and then once my father started buying me spider-man comics well my mom would take me to kmart anybody knows what that is of course and, that's where you uh, get your boxer shorts in cincinnati right 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 so i I, she took me to Kmart and they had these like grab bags and she bought me a grab bag of a bunch of dc comics mostly batman mm. and that was when i found out there was a difference between the tv show batman and the comic book batman almost to where i was like whoa because it was very dark and violent you know even in the 1970s and i'm like well this holy hole in a donut you know as <laughs> robin would say like it just was like but I loved it, you know? It was just like, oh.
0: Yeah, like in the 50s and the 60s, like Batman kind of, it was still, I wouldn't call it dark, but it was a little bit more lighthearted, I think, in the comics. I think the original Detective Comics and then, in like in the 30s and then in the 70s it kind of pivoted almost back to that where it started to get darker again. Yes,
5: yes. What just... happened was in the a 50s bit. they got really far out with Batman. In the 50s sure. man, it was like very almost sci-fi and I don't mind Batman in a sci-fi setting if it's with the Justice League, you know, sure. like that's fine, but when it, when it Batman going to alien planets, I don't know, it was a little bizarre, and the sales were tanking. Like, believe people don't know this, but Batman was almost close to being canceled at the time.
4: Yeah,
5: and this guy who was kind of like a guru editor at DC Comics, uh, Julius Schwartz, as he was known, uh, Julie Schwartz, and, and really a, a very important guy in the history of comic books. I mean, I put him right up there with Stan Lee, as far as he was almost a DC what stan lee was to marvel Hmm. because he's the guy that when they decided to bring back the flash and uh green lantern you had golden age versions of those characters and Mm -hmm. you know and what he did is he he resurrected them but he gave them totally different identities totally different costumes like total revamp the barry allen flash the flash that we know today julie schwartz was responsible for him and his writer and artist um, which i think was john broom and and gil kane they created the flash and then you had or not gil Kane? no that was green lantern carmen infantino they created that version of the flash and it blew up and then they had and then he did green lantern and that blew up and then he did he redid hawkman he did there redid the atom and Mm -hmm. eventually he was so successful that they said well can you do something with batman and one of the first things he did is he got rid of the going to alien worlds crap and all that. And he he focused on Batman being a detective, which is something mm-hmm. that even obviously the 66 TV show uh, shows as well. you know. Right. And, and 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 that was like when and that's when the, the yellow on the oval, you know, the Batman with the yeah. yellow. oval, That's where that came from. When Julie took over, he kind of gave Batman Robin a new look. And the book started selling again. Well, then the, they do the show, and then it blew up.
0: Really takes off. Yeah. And then
5: after that, they were like, well, let's do the sh- comics like the show, since the show's so successful. So yes, the comics did get kind of campy, mm-hmm. And uh, but I'll tell you what, man, believe it or not, there were many guys who went on to become Batman writers, like in the 90s and the early aughts, who hated the Adam West show. Oh, yeah. Hated true. it when it came out, because they are like, well, this isn't Batman. This isn't my Batman. And Right. Uh, Everyone's different. I, and I get that, though, because I'll tell you what, what I felt in love with the comic book as much as i love the show there came a point in time and i'm talking when i was younger um, i almost resented the show because to so many people that was batman and i'd be like dude read this read dark knight returns read batman year one read you know frank miller and even that denny o'neill and neil adams's work on the character and steve englehart and marshall rogers like You know, they brought Batman back to his pulp roots, his dark Mm -hmm. roots, man, and I loved that stuff. So there was a while there was like, fuck the TV show. Eventually I came to realize, okay, Mike, you know,
0: both. <laughs> Can have sorts both or all? Yeah. yeah, there's yeah.
5: all kinds of version of Batman. I mean, DC yeah. is very much big into the whole multiverse anyway. I mean, that's where that's how that all started, man. Eventually, they bring back the Golden Age version of the Flash and Green Lantern and those characters, and they had Earth One, Earth Two, and all that. And then, of course, I don't know if you know this, but Justice League was such a huge hit, and Julie Schwartz was responsible for that. That that's when Mark uh, Stan Lee's publisher said, "Well, hey Stan, why don't we start doing superhero comic books again?" And then that's right. when Stan and Jack. Stanley and Jack Kirby did the Fantastic Four. So, Julie, you'll even say, hey, if it weren't for me, there might not have been a Marvel Comics, man. That's you true. Know? So, so uh, yeah, in great, addition- great visionary editor. And I don't think he oh, gets yeah. enough credit. Julie, don't, you know, he's kind of like forgotten about, which is a shame, but, you know, it is what it is, I guess.
0: In addition to like, so these superheroes coming to life on screen. I mean, I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here, and then sure. we'll come we'll back to the movie. Did you ever have those book and record sets? Uh, they came out kind of in the 70s. Oh
5: yes, I love those. I think those were just important. Yeah. Well, if you if you, as I've said before, I mean that's it. Kind of, I know this is going to weird, but it did kind of lead into my love for r- hard rock and metal, and I'll explain. As I've said many times, Kiss was my gateway band. You know, I was five years old. Alive had just come out a few months before. In fact, Alive had come up uh, a month or a little bit o- less than a month before my my fifth birthday. So the following spring, at that point in time, not only did I have the book and record sets, but my dad would buy the whole albums, which would have a bunch of different st- – they were audio dramas, Power Records presents. Right, and Power Records. Superman and Batman and the Hulk and Spider-Man. Spider-Man. And I yep. loved them, man. It was like my – little cinematic universes before there was such a thing. And I listened to them religiously because my mom and dad had a Kenwood stereo. And on that stereo, we'd all take turns getting to listen to what we wanted. Well, when it was my turn, I wanted to hear about yeah i wanted to sit down there and listen to almost like the old radio shows sometimes i had the, the 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 book with the you know the comic with it which was amazing as well yeah. but sometimes i just let my imagination run yep. with me and just listen and then uh, my brother came home and he had just bought kiss alive and he really wants to listen to it it's my turn to hear the stereo so what he did was he was just like uh, you, you know smart my older brother was and still is he's like hey man you really like this, you superheroes? Yeah. And I was like, well, of course. You know, I'm like, kind of like, duh. Even then, I'm like, what? Why are you asking me such a stupid question? And then he goes, well, check this out, bro. And he shows me the cover of Kiss Alive. Mm-hmm. And, he, and the way he presented, well, these guys are superheroes, they but they music. also play music. And I'm yeah. like, uh-uh. And then he showed me the cover, and I was like, whoa. And he dropped the needle. Of course, you hear it, J.R. Smalling, you wanted the best, you got it, the hottest band in the land, because they hadn't conquered the world yet. Kiss, and that was it, man. Hearing that intro, riff to Deuce, and the explosions, and, and just the band on all, and an ace with his amazing, I was like, done, yep. over. And, and, you know, so to me in my generation, it's what I try to explain to people, you know, KISS were real life superheroes, especially to us little fellows, man. And I was lucky. I got into KISS and hard rock and metal at a very, very young age because if it hadn't been for my brother introducing me to KISS and me and my twin brother, my older brother driving my neighbor Kevin Barnes, crazy, and my older cousin Mitchell. They liked Kiss, but they're like, guys, there's other bands. And then that's when, of course, the floodgates completely opened. I discovered at a very young age, I was listening to Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin and Aerosmith and all the greats of the 70s. At a very so, you know, I was lucky. Most guys my age probably didn't get into KISS till what, seventy-eight, maybe 79. Mm-hmm. You know, I I I was very early, I mean alive. That was it. You know, and it's because of my connection to superheroes. I do credit that because I probably wouldn't have let my brother listen to that if they looked normal. But when he <laughs> when he said, hey, dude, they're superheroes, man, these are real. I was like, whoa, you yeah. know, and I fell in love. And yeah, so because of my love of comics, it, it does kind of intermingle with my love of uh, hard rock and metal and music. So totally. Yeah,
0: that's Gene Simmons had that in mind as well. He was a big okay. comic book, yeah. Yep. All right. So let's, let's go back into the, the movie. Um, so did you, do you remember when you first saw the movie? I'm, I'm assuming it was on television and then like, obviously you'd seen the TV show and then, then you saw. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I was a,
5: I was a, like i said me and brian man we watched batman religiously you know yeah. every every same bad time same bad channel But we and we to us it was new we had no idea and i do remember one thing about watching the show is i remember sometimes my dad would laugh and me and brian would wonder like why is he laughing <laughs> cuz you know we we thought it was serious like this is high drama to us man and of course we were totally in love with you know julie newmar as catwoman and, sure. and uh, Yvonne Craig as Batgirl, you know, me and Brian were like, hey, even as little guys, you know, they mm-hmm. they did a little something to us, you know, even though we didn't know what exactly. <laughs> uh, but the, the movie I didn't know about initially. Right. I didn't know. And then one day we had this uh, local station called Channel 11, KPLR TV, and Late at night, they would do what they call thriller, chiller theater, where they would show all the old Universal Monster movies. Well, during the day, they would play movies, too, and, you know, usually comedies. Lots of, like, um, Three Stooges, Abbott Costello, uh, Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis type stuff, you know. And uh, and that's I, I remember discovering. You know, I was already watching the Universal Monster movies, and I remember being so excited when I saw – you know, Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein, all that. Well, after they showed Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, they showed the 66 Batman movie. Mm. And I was blown away. I was like, oh, my God. I didn't know they made a movie. Yeah. And, yeah, loved it. Loved it, man. I thought it was this, the bomb, you know. No it's like a intended. long episode. Yes. And I just remember going, wow, you know. And I it, But I hadn't seen it for years after that like for years because like once i got into comic books and stuff and 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 got really into it and was like it's a serious art form which is funny because i'm known as being a funny guy but i took my comic books kind of seriously when i when Mm -hmm. i became a teenager i don't know maybe it was that whole angst thing going on too, you know uh so you know i was very much like you know because it's funny now it's like part of the pop culture and it's like cool to yep. like comic books, but I'm telling you right now, it wasn't cool when I was growing up. Okay. No. And, and I always felt like I was kind of on the defensive because of that, you know? Mm-hmm. But um yeah, years later, I seen it, you know, a few more times. But honestly, I hadn't seen it. I can't remember the last time I seen it. And the one scene that always stood out to me was the one with him running around with the bomb, which of today course. I still think <laughs> is the funniest part of the movie man. it is but uh i just rewatched it recently obviously because i wanted to do my homework man and i, I again i got a big kick out right off the bat you know uh no pun intended <laughs> um you know it yeah i so yeah i definitely have memories of watching the movie i had memories of enjoying it you know because again it was like oh it's a longer version i was a little confused when there was a different Catwoman, even right. though i thought lee merryweather did a fine job uh to me though as great as Eartha Kitt and Lee Merriweather was, Julie Newmar was. Well,
0: that mm -hmm. was my next question. Who was your favorite? And what's interesting about Lee Merriweather, I thought she did a fabulous job. She definitely kind of looks similar to Julie Newmar. Um, This was the only time she ever played Catwoman, though she was on the show in in the episodes, but she played a completely different character.
5: Yeah, she she played, um, wasn't it one of the underlings for uh, Egghead or? Yeah,
0: something like that. Um, Yeah. But yeah, yeah. so Julie, Julie Newmar was definitely your favorite.
5: Oh, for sure. But hey, man, I mean, especially after rewatch, I got to say, though, as far as looks go,
4: Mm -hmm.
5: she probably looks the most like Catwoman did in the comics, because Catwoman in the comic books has black hair, like very dark hair, where Julie's light brown hair. But hey, man, like I as a kid, like I said, man, I. I didn't even know, but I was in love with Julie. I mean, there's a lot of childhood crushes, and, and Julie mm-hmm. Newmar was definitely one of them. you her from Star Trek, who unfortunately no longer with us. Olivia Newton-John was another one. Carrie Fisher, Catherine Bach. Hell yeah.
0: All, yeah. Yeah, all TV shows and, and, and movies. So of the three male villains from the series, and, and in this particular um, movie, is it the Joker, Penguin, or Riddler? Who do you go with? Well,
5: obviously the Joker. I mean, if we're going overall number 1 Batman villain but and I love Cesar Romero as the Joker. I think he did a great. I think all the guys, that's the one thing you can give that TV show credit. Brilliant casting
4: with yeah. the villains.
5: I mean brilliant. And here's something I don't know if you know. A few years ago they did an animated, you know, DC of course has their own animated sh- animated thing or whatever. Well, Warner Brothers really um they keep saying that this new guy who, you know, now it's Warner Brothers and he's supposed to give DC their own studios, which I think needs to be done, but Not trying to get into that vortex, but they did an animated with Burt Ward and Adam West. Two of them. Uh, They did did two two of them. them. And one of them had William Shatner as Two-Face. And the thing about that was William was supposed to play Two-Face in the original show. And I'm like, oh, what a great choice. Like, oh, my God. And unfortunately, they didn't do it because I think they felt like his origin and his story was a little too violent. For Mm -hmm. that version of Batman. But man, he would have made a great Two-Face, I think. Live action-wise. I mean, he did great in the animated one. But uh, uh, yeah, I I think that uh, they the one thing I've always given them credit for was like Burgess Meredith as the penguin. Frank oh, Gorshin yeah. made a great Riddler. And, uh, um, it's really hard for me to say, I, I, I think I'd almost have to go with Frank Gorshin, man. I wow. think just, yeah. Even though it looks, he's a Romero's great. And Burgess Meredith as the penguin. I mean, you can't really go wrong. I, yeah. you know what? Fuck it. All three of them, Brian. They're, they're <laughs> great. And they're great together.
0: It uh, is kind so of a Sophie's choice. Very,
5: yeah. A lot of chemistry with those three guys, man, and and just how they were, like, busting each other's chops and stuff and, you know. It
0: was the first Uh, time you had all three of them on – you know, actually all four of them on – you know, that's why the movie's so great.
5: Well, that's one thing. You know, my dad grew up reading Batman, and he did remember The Dark Knight, you know, but he always appreciated the show. And part of the reason why is he's like, well, son, just seeing those characters come to life was a big deal, you know, to my dad's generation because, you know, Batman's been around for – Well, he's literally him and Superman are older than my father. So that's right. They don't remember life without those guys, you know. And yeah, yeah. so he always appreciated the Adam West, uh, the 66 Batman series. It's satire. And yes, it's campy. And as I got older, I got all the jokes, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on, man. I I, there's so many things about the show that just cracked me up, like the fact that they label everything.
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) I just (laughs) love it. You know, everything's a bat, whatever.
5: yeah, right. And everything's labeled, you know, it's like yep. the dehumidifier, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It
0: just cracks me up, man. Well, that's like the bat shark repellent. So eventually. I
5: know. Shark. Yes, yes. And the, oh, that, God, I, I laughed my ass off the other night when I watched it. I was like, oh, my God, I'd forgotten that, you know. And, and, and of course, one of the other things that they did get right in the TV show, which they've gotten right in just about every version of Batman, and it's something that did kind of set him apart, was the gadgets. Yes. Which you have to give Bill Finger credit for that. Um, He's kind of the unsung hero. You know, Bob Kane kind of hogged the credit for Batman. He was... uh, Mm -hmm. Because Bill came up with a lot of the... Eventually, they you know, Bill is... Credit is in the bylines now, created by Bob Kane, certain characters and situations developed by Bill Finger. Because when Batman first started out, he was actually kind of a shadow clone, except without all the supernatural stuff. He had two 45s that he would shoot the bad guys with, and he was more hardcore vigilante when he first started out. And it was Bill that got away from the guns, and and he introduced the Batmobile and the utility belt, and all the gadgets and the vehicles and everything. you know. And he did that to kind of separate him from the shadow and and give Batman his own identity, so to speak.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, one thing I wanted to bring up, we're going to kind of pivot back to what you had mentioned about the two uh, movies, animated movies that came out. They also released uh, a comic book based on the 1966 characters yes. just recently and i've been buying all of those they've turned them into books as well for my nephew and he loves them because he loves the, his batman is the 1966 version too so i think it's good that this nostalgia is coming back we're not just limited to the dark knight and things like that and I, I think it's you know 66 is getting its just too. i did want to ask you um, is I, I'm assuming you would prefer the TV show over the movie, or do you think of them equal now?
5: I kind of think of them as, as one. It, to me, it's just part of it. It's a companion piece to the mm-hmm. series. I don't look at it as its own entity because, you know, I mean, other than Julia Newmar, it's, it's basically the same cast. It's the same yeah. actors. It's, it's, you know, so for me, it's yeah, it's all part of the same thing, man. And I don't know if you know this, but in that CW series, The Flash, they had the crisis on infinite Earths mm-hmm. and they had all the different Earths and they showed Burt Ward as a retired Robin oh. walking his dog, right? And That's he sees cool. the red skies and the lightning. He's like, holy crimson skies or something. <laughs> cheese dick. Like, Oh, it was hilarious. And I loved how they gave a nod to that, that yes, this version of Batman exists right along with all the other ones, you know, and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I love that. And there is, I mean, these characters, it's like mythology. They're open to different interpretations, you know, and, uh, yeah, as I said, there was a point in time where I got real, well, you know, I'm just too cool for the TV show, but eventually I grew up and realized that was stupid. And, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely appreciate the, the, the 66 Batman for what it was. And, and it did help put comic books in the, on the map, you know, I mean, you know, it did. It did. You know, no, no less than the Superman
0: movie with
5: oh, totally. Christopher Reeve. You know, well, and, and so, also
0: the the 50s Superman show with George Reeves. Oh, I, for I, sure. I
5: watched that in syndication. And Me while I, lo- I loved Superman as a little boy at the time, I was like, well, that's my dad's hero because it right. was in black and white. And yep. it was until I saw the first Superman movie. And then that's when I'm like okay man i think between superman and batman it might be closer <laughs> yeah i i think the 66 batman and that movie was uh it's a hoot man it's hilarious I, I don't see how you can if you i don't see how you couldn't like it if you have any kind of a sense of humor like i said the the you know the bat the shark repellent and uh yeah. and man there's i thought man there's a lot of like animals that die in this movie <laughs> man the shark dies uh later on you know uh, a porpoise dies saving batman robin i'm like, good luck god man yeah it, yeah it, it was hilarious man but so you um, just
0: re- you just recently watched it was there anything new, was there anything new you picked up from it yeah or? um okay the, the yeah. whole um because i kind of
5: forgotten about um I mean for basic purposes it's the UN, come on. I mean they call it something <laughs> else. The, the 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 Cold War aspects of it. Yeah it's very like, oh, you know, and uh and I have to say I think Adam West made a great like I love the scenes with him and and and, and Lee Merriweather as Catwoman posing yes. as Kitka. Mm-hmm. I, I thought they had really good chemistry. And I mean, Adam West, I've said this before and I'll say it again. I, he was a damn great Batman, but he was also an awesome Bruce Wayne. Yes, like, I thought yes. I thought because there's certain actors that have played Batman where I'm like, mm, better Batman than Bruce Wayne or Ooh, better Bat- Bruce Wayne than Batman with Adam. I think he kind of nailed both for that version. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, my favorite live action Batman, believe it or not, is Batfleck oh there you go you know and that's a whole other thing but even though batman v superman the theatrical version folks is is a flawed film because they cut it to pieces Mm -hmm. right that's all i'm gonna say about that but i think he's makes as far as like he is the batman that he looks like he stepped right out of the fucking comic books right you know like i look at him i'm like oh my god like he looks like The way Batman would look if he existed, in my opinion, like, wow. And don't get me wrong, I appreciate the Batman with Robert Pattinson. I thought it was a damn good movie. I I love the Dark Knight series. I'm a huge Batman freak, so, you know. Mm -hmm. But I can, like, look at all of them. Like, I think that Michael Keaton made a better Batman than
0: Bruce Wayne. Sure, that makes sense.
5: Oh, Because as much as I love Mr. Mom, uh, he's
0: not a billionaire playboy. No, not, well, that's no. why Adam Adam West playing Bruce Wayne. It's almost like he played it like James Bond a little bit. He was like he oh, did.
5: Something. He did, yeah. and people have to remember Bond at that time was very candy. The sixties was a time period where you couldn't have done like a movie like the Daniel Craig. You couldn't have had Sean Connery do Casino Royale as it was written. No, it, it wouldn't. It, people because of Vietnam and because there was a lot of turmoil going on, it would have like, well, this shit's too real for me. And I think that that's why a lot of the television shows in that time period did have a bit of a camp or a fun
0: factor because it, it brought
5: people down you know
0: yeah. So, yeah. to wrap it up I, i'm gonna ask you a fun question so sure. let's say there was a sequel to this era of batman let's say they, in 1968 they decided to wrap everything up with another movie which characters would you have included and what would your plot have been Ooh, Ooh.
5: Well, that's a good question that is a good question man um I think I would have had the, 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 the four villains that were in this one returned, but I okay. would just have upped the ante. I would have had all the Batman villains, or as many of them as I could be involved. Because of the history of the television show and that you're watching, I would have included Batgirl. Uh-huh. And it would have been, you know...
0: Mr. Freeze or King Tut. Or, yeah, Mr.
5: Freeze. Some of the False Face and yeah. Egghead, some of the sillier villains. And um, I think that's the kind of storyline, you know, like... Batman's really got his back against the wall, you know, and there would have been like death defying traps, you know, mm-hmm. like in the show and something like that. Probably I probably would have do- I would have tripled down on the whole uh, villain thing, because what else are you going to give you him to do, man? You know, yeah. like like maybe that whole organization they reform it and they add even more members to make it even more you know to to raise the stakes so to speak because that's okay. probably what i would have done
0: yeah i think it's absolutely you need batgirl to be in it because she was in the show towards the end and then because this was actually supposed to be the uh beginning of the tv show the movie was supposed to be first. Yes, they just, it,
5: yes. Yeah. Yeah. But 20th mm-hmm. Century Fox is like, oh, yeah, no, we're not doing that. You know, and then right. once the TV show came out and blew up, they're like, okay, then we'll put it out.
0: Let's capitalize on it. And by the time the movie came out, Batman's popularity on the TV was starting to wane a little bit. People forget that, like, it really was this kind of quick rise and then it just kind of dropped off you know that's yeah it was almost yeah. too much it was on too much
5: well i think that, you know i mean that that's the entertainment world that's what they do if one's yep. good ten's better and they yep. do it with everything and they're kind of doing it and and i've said this before on this very podcast it makes me a little worried or concerned because i hey is a guy who you know a pop culture enthusiast I love a lot of the things they're doing and it's it's an exciting time. At the same time though, I really wish especially Marvel would kind of just put their foot's on the brakes a little bit, man. Yeah. It's like yeah. guys you're 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 overdoing it. You're overdoing it, and you know how people are. Eventually, they're going to be like, "To hell with this comic book movie thing!" And there's going to be a backlash. It's going to happen inevitably. It hasn't. I mean, I think it's starting to kind of happen right now. I think I've talked to a lot of people. They're like, "Man, I'm just tired of the," and 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 I don't want that to happen, you know, because you know I'm, I'm glad that comic books are now finally getting recognized for the art form that they are, you know, but at the same time. I like other genres too, you know. Like I don't mm-hmm. want it to just be just comic book movie after comic book movie after comic book movie, and it seems like anymore, man. And 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 even though I know Hollywood right now is IP pretty or IP, IP IP happy, is what I mean. Mm-hmm. And I yep. don't see anything wrong with that, but I still get a little irritated. And like when they do their 400th remake of something, I'm like, you know, guys, there's all kinds, not characters. just comics. There's all yeah. kinds of um, books. Yeah, story. I mean. The Amber Chronicles by Roger Zelazny's one. Now, you know, of course, Apple TV's doing the foundation, Isaac Asimov's foundation. I'm like, yeah, that's more like it. There's so many IPs that have been around forever that, yep. and, and since Hollywood's sequel, Happy, anyway. But I do yeah. think for certain things, like I think Amber Chronicles would work better as a series. Like you could do each book as a season. That's the, And that's sci-fi fantasy type stuff. But I'm just talking like, I think maybe your your neo-westerns and, and and even your westerns it seems like in things like breaking bad and, and better call saul uh it, it seems like that's going more into the television direction um sure. or well, street-
0: that's why the, I, uh, yeah absolutely and i and i like for example jack reacher i really enjoyed the tom cruise movies but the series that they just did on amazon is ter- it's bad it's even better yeah uh, because i think it they could basically do each each uh, season could be another book and i think it it lends itself better to to it does
5: i mean i i hate to say it but with streaming now i mean i've even felt like as much as okay for instance as much as i like the the tom holland spider-man films i'm like how cool would it be if they did a streaming series because to me a comic book series it's a serial it's serialized it's and and i just think it lends better for that kind of thing but but the other thing is i just get concerned because i'm like i I love like I love detective stories. I love, yeah. you know, I love other you know westerns and and okay. One of my favorite guys, Taylor Sheridan. He's doing a uh, uh, Yellowstone, fantastic yeah. show. 1883, the predecessor to it, yep. fantastic show. Um, Hell or high water, fantastic movie. Like he's made some really good movies, man. And it's like I just think there should be room enough for all that those kind of movies. I don't I don't want. It's. I don't want there to just be all Westerns or all superhero comic book movies. Or, and here's another thing I want to point out. And with comics, there's other things besides superhero folks. Even comic books have different genres of storytelling, you know. Right. You look at
0: Frank Miller's Sin City. So I, I just – And you don't have to keep rebooting Batman and Superman. You can go like, oh, that's why it's cool that they're doing Black Adam. So.
5: Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong, like I don't mind them doing a different version of those characters, you know. But the one thing I am tired of, like, stop with the origin stories, especially yeah. with the iconic characters. Yep. You know, I'm, enough already. Like I don't need to know Superman's origin. And then guess what? Most no. people don't. Okay. It's no, like got it. <laughs> we don't we don't need Spider Man's origin. We don't need Batman's origin. And thank nope. God the Batman didn't do his I'm like, oh thank God. They they talk about it, they touch on it, yeah. but they don't We don't need to see it. We don't need to hear about it. We don't need to, you know, enough already. Like I said, I'm still somewhat cautiously optimistic, but I got to admit, even I'm getting a little overwhelmed and I'm a comic book guy, folks. I know. If I'm getting overwhelmed by it, then what does that say to you? You know, it says, yeah, I think you all need to pump the brakes just a little bit before you ruin it.
0: You well, know. this is why I do damn good movie memory. So people can go back and watch movies of different genres from from yesterday. Oh, and I and appreciate for
5: sure, And I love old movies, man. I mean, I yeah. love old movies. So, you know, you know, you know, Brian, anytime you need me on, man, just let me know.
0: And I always appreciate that. And thank you for going back in history and giving me your thoughts about uh, the original Batman on television. So thank you again, yeah. Metal Mike.
5: Always, always a pleasure. Stay metal, Brian.
0: And as an added bonus, we touched upon it when Metal Mike and I talked about it. It was the Power Records book and record set that we used to have as kids back in the 70s. So let me find one that I totally remember. I think I still have it somewhere in uh, my pile of old, old records. And it's uh, from Power Records. It's Batman and Robin fighting the Joker. I believe it's called Stack Cards. So if you actually want to watch it. You can find it on YouTube, but here's the audio portion. So enjoy that and talk to you guys next week.
2: out, Commissioner Gordon. Are you hurt? I'm all right, Inspector Mulligan. Someone just threw a rock through the window. Sorry about that, Commissioner.
3: You know how it is with these vandals today. Well, that, Mulligan, was no ordinary vandal. Will you please hand me the note that was tied to the rock? Here you are, Commissioner. Hmm. Listen to this, Mulligan. I'll read it to you.
6: It says, Batman and Robin, I have escaped from Arkham Asylum and revenge will be sweet. Free once again to pursue my dishonorable profession.
3: If you try to play your hand against mine, you will find the Joker is wild. Signed, The Joker.
2: Oh, that is bad news, Commissioner. Mm. I'll put out a 306 and alert the entire Gotham City police force. The Joker must be apprehended and incarcerated. Who knows what dastardly crime he might perpetrate next. Very good, Mulligan. A 306 will be your
6: first move. Now... Hand me the hotline phone. Batman and Robin must be informed of this dire emergency that threatens Gotham City. Hello, Commissioner Gordon. Batman here. Yes? The Joker escaped. Huh. Nothing we can do right now, Commissioner. But knowing how the Joker operates, he'll be contacting you very shortly. I'll be waiting near the hotline to hear from you as to further developments.
3: Goodbye, sir. Here we go again, Batman. Things were too quiet for a while. When your hotline rang, I knew it spelled trouble. Well, I think we'll
6: get a little action now. Right you are, Robin. The Joker has always been a real challenge. We'll get plenty of action if my memory serves me right. He's a very clever arch criminal who must be put away. Like I said, Commissioner, the Joker doesn't waste any time. The Gotham City Museum of Fine Arts? we're on our way what's the pitch Batman no time for talking now Robin into the Batmobile I'll tell you on the way
3: please Batman clue me
6: in what's happening well Robin we're on our way to the Gotham Museum of Fine Arts the Joker showed his hand he promises to steal the famous Picasso painting of the clowns. The museum's most valuable possession. Exactly. It seems the clowns in the painting have a special fascination for the Joker. He wants to rescue them from the eyes of the curious
3: who come to laugh at their image. You know, Batman, the Joker really belongs in Arkham Asylum. He's a paranoid who's a menace to our society. Maybe a frontal lobotomy might help in his case.
6: Robin, up the steps.
2: Right behind you, Batman. Can I help you, gentlemen? Oh, my word. It's you, Batman and Robin. Allow me to introduce myself. I am Huntington Waterbury, curator of Gotham City Museum of Fine Arts. Is there something wrong, gentlemen? We don't know yet, sir. Can you lead us to the Picasso exhibit? I don't understand. Please, follow me.
6: Mr. Waterbury, Gotham City's police department received a warning that the Joker has escaped from Arkham
2: Asylum. He intends to steal Picasso's painting of the clowns. You see for yourself, Batman. It's there on the wall. Everything seems to be in order. I'll double the security guards now that I know of the threat. Oh, my goodness. Look over there in the corner, Batman. One of my guards is lying there with a ghoulish grin on his face.
6: I'm afraid the poor devil is done for him, Mr. Waterbury. Another innocent victim of this homicidal maniac. The insidious Joker has been here already. He always leaves his victims laughing.
2: Oh, poor Mr. Wilson. He was one of my best security men. And not too many years from his retirement pension. What now, Batman. Examine the painting again, Mr. Waterbury. What do you see? Why, why, it's not the real Picasso. This is a poor copy. The real Picasso must be found. Please, Batman, it must not fall into the wrong hands.
6: This is a very clever delaying tactic of the Joker, trying to fool us while he gets away with the original.
2: batman is
6: everything all right glad to see you inspector mulligan you're just a little late a guard has been killed and the picasso is missing the alleged perpetrator has to be the joker good thinking mulligan now if you will excuse me robin and i are off to pier 47 there's an old abandoned warehouse there that the joker used as a hideout come robin we'll try to head him off you can follow us mulligan
3: Hey, Batman, things are really cooking. I wanted action, and the Joker is giving it to us in spade. Well, you ask for it, Robin. Oh, wow, Batman. This place gives me the creeps. Only a weirdo like the Joker would use this dump for a hideout. We've got to
6: move very quietly, Robin. The Joker is in here for sure. Now watch your step, Robin. Don't trip on anything.
3: Oops! I trip Batman. Look! It's a body.
6: Yes, yeah, a dead one. Look at his face, Robin. A ghoulish grin. Must be the night watchman. The Joker left another one of his calling cards.
3: <laughs> Batman and Robin! You remembered my hideout, curse you. You'll never catch me this time. Here. <laughs> Have a blast.
6: Quick, Robin, get behind those cases. I'm going after the Joker. I'm going to give you a lesson in art, Joker. You're such an art lover. I'll show you the art of trumping a Joker with a handful of clubs. Ha ha ha! You missed me, Joker! Now your gun is empty, looks like you'll have to fight me on even ground, you fiend!
3: <laughs> Come and get me, Batman! I can still use my fists! <laughs> Take off, Batman! Here's one for you, Joker! Many happy returns! He's getting away, Batman! He's running toward the end of the pier! Holy cow, Batman! I smell smoke! Quick, Robin! Turn in the fire alarm. This maniac has set fire to the warehouse.
6: I'll take care of him. All right, Joker. I got
3: you now. Where's the Picasso? (laughs) Not so fast, Batman. I'm diving off this pier. And when I do, you'll never catch me. I was captain of the swimming team at Arkham. (laughs) What a race. Here you go.
6: forgot to mention a joker it happens to be low tide for a slimy character like you you should feel right at home
2: where is he Batman where is this monster
6: take a look over the edge of the pier Mulligan and see the stew our friend the Joker has got himself into this time he should be easy pickings for you
2: all right, boys, bring a ladder. Go down and get him.
6: Here comes Chief McDali and the Gotham City Fire Department. I'm going into the warehouse to get the Picasso.
2: Come back, Batman. Batman, you can't go into that blaze inferno. Mr. Waterbury, what are you doing here? Did I hear Batman just went into that building to save the Picasso? Oh, my, Inspector Mulligan, do you think he'll make it? He's an amazing individual, Mr. Waterbury. If Batman sets out to do something, rest assured it will be done. Here he comes. Hooray, Batman, you made it. You saved the picture. Here you are, Mr. Waterbury, the real Picasso. Careful, it's a bit warm thank heavens you're safe, Batman. Oh, this picture is hot. Well, who cares it's safe? Let me inspect it more carefully. Ah, yeah, it's perfect, perfect. How can I thank you enough, Batman? The look on your face when Batman handed you the Picasso, Mr. Waterbury, says more than a thousand words. Speaking for myself and
6: Robin, I should like to say it was done for the true lovers of art who appreciate the work of a genius. If this arch criminal had gotten away with the painting, its loss would have been felt by posterity.
2: All right, boys, put the cuffs on the Joker. Bring him down to the station house. (laughs) You may have
3: me under lock and key for now, Mulligan. I promise you someday I'll escape again. They call me the Joker, but remember in the game of life, the Joker is wild. Goodbye for now, Batman and Robin. We shall meet again.
2: <laughs> well, there goes Chief McNally in the bars. Looks like the fire's under control. All's well that ends well.
6: What do you think, Robin? Did you have enough excitement
3: for one day? Oh wow, Batman! You're too much. I'm afraid all his excitement has worn me out completely. I sure hope they put the Joker away a good long while this time. Robin, knowing the
6: cleverness of this artful Dodger, who can say for sure? Perhaps a frontal lobotomy would be the answer. If science could operate on this distorted brain and put it to good use, society would reap a great benefit. Come, Robin, into the Batmobile and home. Thank <laughs>
0: If you are ever in the San Francisco Bay Area and still love collecting or renting DVDs or VHS tapes, come check out Captain Video in San Mateo at 2837 South El Camino Real. Captain Video is open six days a week, and closed on Wednesday, and one of the last traditional video stores still running in the United States. New movies you can rent for $2.99 a day. Old movies you can rent for $2.99 for five days. And if renting isn't your thing, you can also purchase anything you find in the store. Be sure to tell Ira that you heard about Captain Video from the Damn Good Movie Memories Podcast. Happy renting and happy collecting at Captain Video. Come hang out and chill with Brian A. Davis and the Bad Beat. Wednesdays, 11 p.m. Eastern, right here on ThatMetalStation.com.